0: Please have a seat. Well, grab your Bibles and open up to the book of Romans, chapter 10, chapter 10, verse 13. Uh, Verse 13, the title of the sermon today is Bring Good News. Raise your hand if you like good news. Raise your hand if you love good news. Raise your hand if you like bad news. Nobody? <laughs> Nobody's a junkie for really bad news. I've received a lot of bad news lately. My dog got an eye infection. My Nissan Xterra began overheating a week ago. Our Nissan Quest, we got into a fender bender, and it was been in the shop for over a week. Then we got water in the laundry room. Our patio table shattered when the weather picked up our umbrella through the table, and the whole patio table uh, shattered. We got new carpet, and then the dog got the stomach flu. (laughs) Yeah, isn't that the way it works? Bad news, texts, phone calls, um, and then my uh, air conditioner in my office, which is a wall-mounted unit, began pouring water on all of my books. Now, none of this is terrible news, but nobody wants to get this type of bad news, am I right? We all love good news, and the sermon today is about the best news in the entire universe. The best news your ears could ever hear, better than finding out you won the lottery, better than finding out you're pregnant, as long as you're trying, (laughs) you got the job, won the new car, inherited a small paradise island, I don't know whatever your best news is, but the news we're talking about today is better than the best news your ears have ever heard. This is the best news you can share with anyone you know. Better than if you told them you were taking them to Hawaii and paying for the whole thing. Better than if you told them you were paying off their mortgage or giving them a pony. This news is better than the best news you could tell anyone in your life. And we're going to learn today what this news is and how God wants this news to get all around the world. Hey, listen, in a world full of bad news, God wants us to bring the best news ever to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us to understand what is the best news and what is our responsibility in bringing this news everywhere. Show us your heart, show us your love, and show us our calling. Show us, O Lord, as a church, what you intend for us to become. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Here we are in Romans chapter 10, and you're going to look down in verse 13. It says in verse 13, this is the last verse we covered last week, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. All who call was the title of last week's sermon, all who call. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Uh, The There are so many words in these verses that are important, but the word saved there is huge, and the word calls is big. You have to call on the name of the Lord to be saved. So when it comes to bringing good news, the first thing you can write down in your bulletin is this. Believe all must call on Jesus to be saved. Believe all must call on Jesus to be saved. This is a biblical reality, a biblical truth, and deep in the council chambers of your heart, I'm challenging you to conclude once and for all that others must call on Jesus to be saved. This sermon today highlights our evangelism pillar, which is sharing the good news of Jesus with boldness. We want to be a church that shares the good news of Jesus with boldness. And here this verse, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, Paul's quoting the Old Testament Joel 2, 31-32, and this includes a warning of wrath and a promise of salvation. We'll put that on the screen, but here's what it says. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said, and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. This is an Old Testament verse looking ahead to a time that hasn't happened yet, the end times, the tribulation. It sounds scary. Put that verse up there again. What does it say? The first part of it, it says, go back a slide, the sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood. My goodness, this is terrifying. Before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. This is a... This is a description of a period of wrath, and it's using the sky darkening as a a figure of God's wrath coming. Hey, we all know what that feels like the last few weeks in Chicago, the sky growing dark, am I right? (laughs) Oh my goodness, I was at the uh, Payless baseball field yesterday because my son had a game, and it was warm, and I was wearing shorts and a shirt, sitting in the bleachers, and suddenly the temperature dropped 15 degrees, and the winds picked up, and it began to pour we were all huddling under this tiny little tree, and then the wind kept changing, so we were walking around this tree. And we, did, we got soaked head to toe. The skies turned dark. They finally, they wouldn't cancel the game because the coaches both have big egos, right? So the dugouts were yelling to each other, you quit, you forfeit, you quit, you forfeit. Nobody wanted to quit. And the rain was pouring. I got a picture here. Here's a picture of the rain coming down at PBO Field yesterday. Now here's what's hilarious. That guy there on the right is the pizza guy delivering pizza to the concession stand. <laughs> Zoom in on that. Here's the pizza guy doing his job. I want to find him and thank him because that guy has earned my respect. <laughs> well, listen, the skies grew dark, the winds picked up, and but hey, you've never seen anything like Joel 2 is talking about the sun. The sun turns dark, the moon. To blood, and the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Hey, when you think about the judgments that have already come, pa- come to pass in Scripture God flooding the world in Noah's day, God pounding Egypt with plagues, and the firstborn children being struck dead, Sodom and Gomorrah having a volcano basically turned upside down over them. Listen, you ain't seen nothing yet. The day of the Lord is coming, it's coming. And how are we going to get ready for that? And how are we going to get others ready for that? Believe all must call on Jesus the Lord to be saved. Now jot this down. Salvation is offered freely to everyone in Christ. It says all. It says all. It is offered to everyone. And if you believe this truth, it will change your life. And it will change the way you view every other person in your life. Whether you are at the doctor's office and... Uh, you're you're talking to a nurse about your vitals, or whether you are going through the drive-thru at Starbucks, or whether you're at Menards picking up some, some, uh, some wood chips. Anyone you encounter needs Jesus in their life. And when you see that, when you see this is a person made by God, this is a person made to know Jesus Christ, it changes the way you treat people. When someone is being ruthless to you, when someone is being unkind to you, and you say, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved, that person is no longer off the grid. They are actually someone who is within (coughs) Jesus' realm. He wants to reach them. This is the only love, this love of Christ that can transform our world. Understanding that Jesus is offering salvation to anyone and everyone in every nation, tribe, and tongue. It changes the way you see the world. And it says everyone needs to be saved. What we need is a rescue. We don't need to be taught. We don't need to be comforted. We don't need to be coddled. We don't need to be unified. We need to be saved. The word is saved. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Uh, Now, you and I would go out of our way to rescue our loved ones if they were in distress, correct? So my uh, daughter yelled last week, there's a bug in the bathroom. Bug in the bathroom. Big bug. Big bug. Okay, I walked in, and I'm like, didn't my kids age out of this yet? Apparently not. I'm the bug slayer. All right, so I walk into the bathroom, and it was a big bug. Like, have you seen the previews for the new Godzilla movie? Bigger. Bigger. And this bug and I, I mean, we went at it, and it, I mean, I had to, I was wielding a paper towel, right? But I, I got that bug, and, and then, like a good dad, what did I do with it? Chase the kids around the house with it, right? <laughs> Oh, they can run. They can run. I rescued my children from the giant bug. I read that in Clearwater, Florida this past week, a uh, homeowner woke up to noise in the kitchen, and check it out. Here's what they found in their kitchen. Yikes! Alligator crawled in uh, through a a little window, broke its way in. We all get hungry in the middle of the night at times, right? And and so, yikes! And they had to call, animal control, to get that thing out of there. You know and, and who wouldn't help right if the a, if a poor older lady was just like not able to handle that problem herself with a paper towel uh, and hey if, if you could rescue someone from an animal attack or someone who is struggling to stay afloat in a pool or someone who is trying to get out of a burning building wouldn't you wouldn't you? How much more should we rescue people from eternal conscious torment here's a picture of a guy who is driving by. Uh, he was a crane operator. He was driving past, and he looked in this river and saw a woman who couldn't get out. She was drowning, and he just so happened to be uh, a crane driver. So he pulled up along the river, and somehow he was able to uh, him and somebody else hoist himself over and rescue this person. And look, that's a portrait of what we do. That's what we do. And when you look around the world at people who don't know Christ yet, if you don't biblically agree that they are in eternal, eternal peril without Christ. If you, if, if the, I'm talking about at the deepest levels of your heart. You're not just saying, oh yeah, I agree with that, but seeing it, seeing it on the faces of everyone around you. If you don't agree that these people around me need to hear about Jesus, they need to be rescued, then you're walking past that woman. She'll be okay. We have to help people get saved. We're in the rescue business. Believe all must call on Jesus to be saved. Salvation is offered freely to everyone in Christ. Everyone, and therefore everyone needs it. It's offered to everyone, and everyone needs it. Now, reading on, it says this in verse 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So, this is a series of um, questions that unpack how God is going to get this saving message to the ends of the earth. First question how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? Jot this down. Number two, they must believe Jesus is Lord. Believe all must call on Jesus to be saved, and they must believe Jesus is Lord. So it's not enough to be around the Christian message your whole life, you have to believe it in your heart. It's not enough for you to be tied to an organization or to go through steps or to complete a class or to have some some sash when you're a kid with all these Bible badges on it. You know, you actually have to believe it in the depth of your own soul to be saved. How how you have to believe. They must believe and believe what? Believe Jesus is Lord. Maybe you've been a religious person your whole life. Um, Religious people don't go to heaven. Religious people don't go to heaven. Saved people go to heaven. When has Jesus saved you? When has all of the religious activity and all of the biblical understanding that you have heard driven you to your knees before a holy God and and, and driven you to say, save me, Jesus, save me? Do you have a story? If you had a minute, could you come up here after the service and share your story with me of how you got saved? Too many people, when when they're asked, how are you going to get to heaven? They say, well, I've been a Christian my whole life. You've been around Christians your whole life. But when did you become a born-again follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? That's the question. Do you have a story? You must believe that Jesus is Lord. God doesn't have any grandchildren. He only has children. Are you his child? And God's children, all of God's children but one, are adopted. Jesus is God's eternal child, the sinless Savior, the Son of God. Every other child has to be adopted into the family, which means God brings you in. When did that happen to you? When did that happen to you? Jot this down. This implies that Jesus came from heaven to save us. The one in whom we've believed is called the Lord, and he came as Savior. So Jesus came from heaven to save us. This is what the gospel is. This is what people must believe. This is so crucial to understand because we live in a day when people believe a lot of spiritual things and they think that all spiritual truths just say the same thing. And what we're saying is you can't just believe in any old thing. You have to believe in the truth about Jesus as found in the scripture, that Jesus is Lord. He came from heaven to save us. Oftentimes people will say, well, that's true for you, but that doesn't mean it's true for everyone. And we would disagree. We would say that the nature of truth is that it's absolute. This is true for everyone. Jesus is Lord over everyone. We believe that he is a divine person. He is 100% God. Well, where do you see that in the Bible? Jesus said in the book of John, and now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory I had with you before time began. Brad, what were you doing before time began? I look back and checked my schedule, and guess what? I wasn't even there. So if Brad starts telling me about how him and God go way back to before time began, I'm going to be like, stay away from him. Brad Whitlaw needs to see a doctor. So let's face it, folks. Jesus did not claim to be just a real boy. He claimed to be 100% God. God the Son. And the Bible didn't make him God, and the Apostle Paul didn't make him God. Jesus claimed this for himself. Jesus came from heaven to save us. He was on a rescue mission. The Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. He came to save us. Jot this down. He died for us and rose again. He died for us and rose again. This is the gospel message. How did he rescue us? He died for us and he rose again. Do we have a picture of the cross to put up there? Um, So when it comes to the cross, you have seen this in movies. You have seen this scene uh, in jewelry. uh, But what is happening here? What is happening here is in the middle, you see a being who transcends your greatest efforts to... To comprehend everything. That being has always existed. Permanently. There has never been a time where that spiritual person started existing. He's eternal. and The Bible says he stepped down from heaven and took on flesh. Why would he do a thing like that? It's because... We were stuck in our sin, and we couldn't save ourselves. So 100% God, who enjoyed the paradise and the presence of the Father forever, stepped down and became 100% man. And he lived the perfect life, and they killed him for it. He told people that he was the Lord, as spoken of in the book of Daniel, and they accused him of blasphemy and nailed him to a cross. But there, at mankind's lowest point of rebellion, God showed his highest form of love. He was willing that his Son would take our place and bear all of our sin on his shoulders. And there the wrath of God was poured out on the Son of God. And therefore, the final payment for your sin was made by a being who has authority in heaven to rescue you. This is what grace is. Your sins have merited you death. There is a residence in hell with your address and your name on it. How is your fault? How is my fault? We belong there. Jesus came to change that. God's love is expressed in his son. And therefore, if you have the son of God, you have the love of God. And if you refuse the son of God, you refuse the love of God. Jesus died and he rose again on the third day And nobody believed it. None of us did. The disciples were not sitting there in camp chairs with popcorn. This is going to be amazing. Those Roman soldiers have no idea what's about to happen. (laughs) No one was there. Women were on their way to the tomb with perfume and flowers. Why? To prepare a rotting body to rot. Nobody believed it. The first Easter was actually a whole lot more like Halloween than it was Easter. Jesus kept showing up and scaring people to death. I'm alive. Ah! I'm alive. Ah! In fact, for this Easter, don't set out Easter eggs for your kids. Scare them a lot, around every corner. You know, fake your death two weeks before Easter and then jump out of a closet. Okay, happy Easter. That's the real Easter story. No one believed it. He died for us and rose again. Jot this down. And he rules heaven and earth. He rules heaven and earth. He is the Lord, which is a title of God. It's a title of God. He has power over life and death. All judgment is his to command. Hey, listen, this is what people must believe in order to be saved. And if they don't believe this, they're not saved. Now, truth people are like, amen, the world needs this message. But listen, Jesus didn't show up as just like a human megaphone shouting at people to repent, okay? He loved, everywhere he went, he loved people, he served people, he healed people, he taught people. So as you go out to share this message, don't beat people over the head with it. you're going to sizzle like bacon if you don't listen to what I'm going to say like, ah! Sometimes people are just like all caps all the time. And that's not the love of Christ. So, hey, if you struggle with sharing the love of Christ to a wicked and sinful world, maybe you need to work on that. Maybe you need to stop talking for a while and start loving people along with your message. Now, if you're more of a grace person, maybe you struggle to actually say the truth, words like hell and the need for salvation. Maybe maybe you're kind of sharing half of it, right? Maybe you need to get to the point where you can say publicly naturally, well, I worship Jesus Christ because he saved my soul forever. Maybe you need to be able to say the truth without any fear of what that could do to your relationships. But the point is this. They must believe Jesus is Lord. Do you believe that? Do you believe in your heart that your loved ones, your neighbors, they must believe it? They must believe that Jesus is Lord. Believe all must call on Jesus to be saved. Salvation is offered freely to everyone in Christ. They must believe Jesus is Lord, that he came from heaven, he rose again and died, and he rules heaven and earth now. Number three, they must hear the gospel. Jot that down. They must hear the gospel. In verse 14, it says, How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? In whom they have not heard. They have to hear it. They have to hear it. They must hear the gospel. This begins to combine our evangelism pillar with our preaching pillar. We believe in proclaiming the authority of God's word without apology. Um, we live in a day where there are three primary values in, in the marketplace of ideas, um, and they all work against us spreading the gospel. The first one is privatism, meaning keep it to yourself. If you have views like that, keep it to yourself. right? The second one is secularism, which is we don't need God. We don't need God to do life. We don't need God to do business. We don't need You don't need any of that, so just keep God out of it. Tell me about your ethics, but don't tell me about your your God. And then the third one is pluralism. Well, these can all be true at the same time. Privatism, keep it to yourself, right? And secularism, just don't tell me about God, tell me about the rest of it. And pluralism, well, they can all be true at once. Those are the three great uh, forces, currents in the marketplace of ideas today. And all three of those things are opposed to what I'm saying right now, which is we need to go and share the gospel with the world, and it's binding on every soul. They must hear the gospel. Jot this down. The power is in God's word. Therefore, we must get God's word to them. There's no other way. They must hear the word. Uh, The word of God is, what does the Bible say? The word of God is what? Living and active. The word of God, um, I think Spurgeon said, is like a, like a lion. Just let it out of its cage. It'll fend for itself. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be like, all right, lion, <laughs> attack. Do, it'll do the job. All right. The, the thought of you walking a lion into the jungle and giving him tips, there's a few things you need to know before I let you go in there, okay? Is is you trying to figure out how the Word of God is going to do its thing? It will not return void. It will do what God has ordained it to do. So we have to get the Word out. The power is in God's Word. Jot this down. Strategic partnerships strengthen us. Strategic partnerships strengthen us. So how how are we going to get people to hear? We understand as a church that we need help. Uh, You probably feel like you need help. I need help learning how to share my faith. So we have other people who have other gifts and other organizations that have other gifts who have come alongside us and helped us to improve in getting the Word of God out. Strategic partnerships strengthen us. Here's an older picture of the um, proslans who serve in uh, Papua New Guinea. They work with Wycliffe Bible Translators. There are people in Papua New Guinea, many who have never heard the gospel because they don't have a Bible in their language. So, they work with Bible translators to get the Bible translated into the local tongue. Here's the, another picture because they're all growing up now, isn't it? Look at them.
1: They're growing up. Oh.
0: I think they're going to be at Silverbridge this summer, which is really awesome. Uh, so, wow, we invested in them. They went out the same year we launched our church, and we've been faithfully partnering with them um, every year. Could, could we do that? Could we all get on a plane and be like, we're going to go teach some people in Papua New Guinea about Jesus? Sure how effective would we be? Not very effective. So we partner with people so that they can hear God's word, so that they can hear God's word. That's a value we've built into our church from the very beginning. Here's a picture of uh, Mike Dawson. He and his family have worked with the Yanomamo Indians uh, for a few generations now. And this is a pre-Stone Age people group. They um, live in a way that they leave no trace of their uh, of their history, they burn all of the possessions and remains of all their ancestors. So there's just a lot hidden about their past, you know. But they, when the Dawsons first arrived, these folks didn't have a Bible in their language, didn't know about Jesus, and the, these missionaries began to start communicating with these folks and sharing the truth of Jesus with them. And now there are entire churches in these villages in Venezuela uh, who who worship Christ strategic partnerships. Even locally, we partner with a group named NSP to get the gospel into local high schools so that high schoolers can hear the truth about Jesus. Here's a picture at a local high school uh, of a speaker who's up there. And this is lunchtime at a local high school where we we just bring in pizza and we say this is voluntary. If you want to come and hear a message about how God loves you, you can come. Uh, The question there is, does God exist? does God exist? And these kids pour in, partly because of the pizza, partly because of the conversation. Here's another picture. This is me at Shepherd High School, uh, and we had a dodgeball tournament, and all these students came for a dodgeball tournament on a Saturday, and that's me with my Bible sharing the gospel with high school students in their gym. You see, this is how we do it, and we we trust the organization NSP to help us do that because we struggle to do that on our own. we also partner with organizations like RZIM, uh, Ravi Zacharias Ministries. They help us to produce curriculum so that we can uh, so that we can learn to share our faith with others. So they had a curriculum called Everyday Questions. Uh, there was one called I Don't Know Where to Start, um, which those two things came out of each other. And uh, we have also had classes to help you learn how to share your faith. Uh, recently, we did a um, uh, we, recently we did a, a class about how to share your faith with Catholic people. We did a uh, class recently on how to share your faith with Muslim people. So we are really committed to helping you grow in this area. They must hear the gospel. The power is in God's word. Strategic partnerships strengthen us. Now it goes on in verse 15 to say this, and how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So this is Isaiah 52:7. Do we have Isaiah 52:7? Uh, For up there, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, Your God reigns. Wow, wow. So back to Romans, it says here, uh, quoting in verse 15, it says, How are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So, jot this down. We must send messengers. We must send messengers. And the um, idea of being a messenger challenges us because too often church is about us. Too often church is inward focused. Too often church is about us getting more comfortable with us. And we want to resist the temptation at our church to say, hey, our goal is to get as many people in this room as possible so that we can just keep building up our attendance numbers and building up our budget numbers. And we don't want to be a church that's come and sit. We want to be a church that's go, go, send. We are, you're coming here to get fueled up and equipped and ready, not to stay, but to go. We want you to come here to get ready to go. We want to equip you for the journey, Not to feel like all the spiritual activity in your life is happening here, but we're getting you ready for out there. We must send messengers. We want to equip you. We want to send you. We want your feet to be beautiful. Now, when's the last time you heard anybody say that to you? What did you hear in church today? My pastor wants my feet to be beautiful. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Lauren and I have conversations about feet. She's not a foot person. And I reminded her that when we got married, we became one, and that includes my feet. And she said that wasn't in the deal. Those are still yours. (laughs) I said, oh, no, they're ours. It's a funny running joke, but I doubt you're a foot person. I doubt feet, right? Feet. What does it mean to have beautiful feet? Well, this is a literary device. It doesn't mean that just your feet are beautiful, right? (laughs) The foot, the feet stand for something. And what it stands for is a person who is a messenger of God. When you are a messenger of God, saying that that person has beautiful feet means the whole thing they're doing right now, their, their whole trajectory is beautiful. The feet stand for you on mission, right? And... We want you to be on mission. Now jot this down. All are sent as messengers. All. So that includes you. All are sent as messengers. You are a messenger and you are to go and make disciples. I love in Isaiah 6, 8 where it says this. We'll put this on the screen. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. And let's not be Christians who are like, Send someone else. Send send someone else to my aunt. Send someone else to my coworker. Lord, use someone else. I, I mean, that heart has been documented throughout the Bible. Jonah, right? I'd rather be swallowed by a whale than Moses. No, don't send me. You know the, that, uh, that temptation to be like Lord, send her, is real. But God wants to send you. He wants to send you. All are sent as messengers. Jot this down. Some are sent as missionaries. Maybe God is calling you to a special work. God God will call some. The Bible says not all should be teachers, right? God will call some to devote their life vocationally to missions or to ministry. And maybe God is laying that call on your heart. I remember when I was a brand new baby Christian sitting in the pews of this little church in Melrose Park listening to the Bible, and there was more going on than just me hearing a sermon. There was always this internal dialogue, like watch, watch how the preacher does that. Did you see how he did that? You could do that. I'm like, I can't, I can't do that. And there was this ongoing dialogue I knew from very, very early on in my faith that there was, a, there was a conversation in my heart. You could do that. Maybe you could do that. Maybe you should do that. And I was talking back on the inside. I had no idea what God had planned for me, but I can tell you now, looking back, the conversation was always going on in my heart. I didn't, I didn't know where it was leading, but I know the conversation was there. And maybe that's true of you. Maybe there's always been this ongoing conversation. Uh, when Mike Kioski first became an elder at our church, he said, yeah, Terry and I always felt like maybe we were going to be missionaries, but I guess God just didn't, didn't have that for us. And then he retired and God set to the mission field. <laughs> they're, in, they're in Romania right now. They've been there for several years. That conversation was happening for years. And maybe God is wrestling in your heart uh, trying to get you to surrender to the call of ministry. And I would just say this. If God is wrestling in your heart to get you to surrender to the call of ministry, hell fights back. Satan will work double time to give you an alternative life plan. There will be a lot of temptation. And I would just challenge you to surrender to the call of ministry. Because if you run, God's got land whales. God's got land whales that will chase you down, Jonah. Will chase you down and swallow you whole. And if you are running from a calling, I would say, start talking to somebody, your small group leader, or a pastor about that right away. We've got a... um, a few stories of people who have given their life to mission work. Of course, I've got my story. Here's a, you want to see a picture of Youth Pastor Ryan? My early days, Do you want to see it? I can move on if you don't want to see it. Here's a picture of Youth Pastor Ryan. There I am. <laughs> it's Youth Pastor Ryan. So much fun. We were about to go throw flower grenades at everybody. Uh, we also sent Pastor Brandon out to plant a church in Rochester, uh, New York. We have got a praise video from him. Check out this update. He filmed it this morning here it is.
1: Alright, what's going on Harvest Palis? I'm coming to you from Harvest Bible Chapel, Rochester. Comedy at the Carlson is filling up right now as worshipers are coming to gather to worship the name of Jesus Christ. And I just want to tell you that God is truly at work here. We actually have somebody here today that's interviewing for a position to come alongside of me as, a, uh, as another pastor on staff. Uh, our small groups are multiplying. People are coming to Christ. I just had an awesome awesome baptism conversation last week of the guy who came uh, and said to me that if, uh, before i came to harvest if i would have faced christ i would have been condemned for all of eternity and i would have said but look at all that i did in your name and he would have said depart from me i never knew you and he says now now I, I believe like I've never believed before, and we're going to baptize him in a couple of weeks, and he wants to go in full-time ministry. It's awesome. So God is at work. Thank you so much for your prayers. We love you guys so much. Have an awesome service today. You are loved.
0: Love that guy. It's so cool. Some are sent as missionaries. All are sent as messengers. Some are sent as missionaries. So number one, believe all must call on Jesus to be saved Number two, they must believe Jesus is Lord. Number three, they must hear the gospel. Number four, we must send messengers. And number five, God must manage the results. God must manage the results. It says in verse 15, How are they to preach unless they are sent? How are they to preach unless they are sent? How are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says in 53.1, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? Now here's what's encouraging. Isaiah is quoting the Messiah. Isaiah is quoting the Messiah. So he's quoting Jesus before Jesus lived. What is the heart of Jesus going to say? All have not believed our message. So listen, if Jesus couldn't convince some people, you're not going to be able to convince some people. All right, You could have... Sometimes people are like, oh, I just wish you were there with me to talk. And I'm like, I, I only have so much information, too. But listen, God can use you. You don't have to be anybody else. God can use you as you are to share this message. Even if Jesus was next to you, they might be like, yeah, I'm going to need some time. Yeah, I'm not convinced yet. You could be like, this is Jesus. Yeah. I don't know. Jesus said, if they don't believe Moses and the prophets, even if someone comes back from the dead, they won't be convinced. You could reenact, you could reenact Easter for them. Watch. Oh, and they'd be like, eh. So don't get down on yourself, but let me give you three closing things that you can pray for people in your life. Three closing things you can pray for people in your life who are not saved. Jot this down. First, God softened their heart. God, soften their heart. If their heart won't grow soft, they won't listen to you. If they're angry or apathetic, eh, they won't listen. So God, do whatever it takes to soften their heart. Next, God, open their mind. Open their mind. There has to be an intelligible conversation where they understand the facts of the Bible, the truth of Jesus, and, and, and they actually get it. The light bulb has to go on and they have to say, oh, so it's not by works. Oh, so that's who Jesus is. Oh, so pray. God, open their mind. Pray, God, give, give me great spiritual conversations with this person. Pray that God would open their mind, and then pray, God, break their will. Break their will. And the will can hold out eternally. They can know it. Their heart can be open to it. I was talking to a young man several years ago, and I said, if you, if you died today, do you think you'd go to heaven? He said, I absolutely know that I would go to hell. I'm like, well, what are you waiting for? And he's like, well, my mom would be really upset. And I'm like, let's work through that, because your mom's going to be a lot more upset if you don't go to heaven. He knew his mind was there, his heart was there, but the will was not there. I want to give you a chance to pray for the lost loved ones in your life right now. We'll have a a moment of prayer as the worship team comes up here. Just bow your head, close your, your eyes, and right now I would like you to do two things. First of all, pray for your lost loved ones. Pray for your lost loved ones. Pray for God to open their, soften their heart, open their mind break their will. You can can pray for that. Pray for them by name. And then I want you to also do this. Pray and ask yourself, am I saved? The Bible says test yourself and see if you're in the Lord. And if you're not saved, I want you to ask Jesus to save you. Go ahead and take a minute right now and pray for loved ones in your life and maybe even pray for your own soul. Go ahead and do that right now, and then we'll sing the last song.
1: the power